Good Sunday morning, or perhaps I should say good Sabbath morning, because it is only Sunday one day a week, but it can be Sabbath morning any morning we decide it might be. Remembering that Sabbath is an atmosphere in which we leave behind the commerce of this world, leave behind the idea of time as a relentless taskmaster, leave behind our competition with one another to acquire yet more of what we already have. In some ways, the current COVID-19 pandemic has enforced a worldwide Sabbath time on all of us, though there are still so many continuing to work and provide the necessities of life and, of course, health care. And for this, we are all to be deeply grateful. I am Reverend Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my wonderful husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in Southern Ontario. Like all other churches in Canada, we have been asked to close our church buildings in solidarity with businesses and enterprises of all kinds so that the spread of the virus, which is no doubt to worsen, will not come all at once and overwhelm our health care system. This last Easter weekend, we really did feel the loss of being able to gather with our community of affection. Wendell Berry, that delightful American theologian of this century, has announced that communities of affection are the only hope for this world, and I think there is much truth in that. So this year did not feel quite right, as we were not able to gather in our sanctuary on Sunday morning. We know, of course, that real church can take place anytime, anywhere, wherever two or more are gathered and where they direct their attention to goodness and love. There is God, and there is church. The whole world is a cathedral. The trees are surely the best of guardian angels. The earth, a solid place to hold us steady. But still, Easter Sunday this year, offered up a gray and somber day out where we live, where only Bruce and I sat to a quiet lunch. The afternoon was spent checking in with many who were alone and were saddened to be so. Serious health concerns in our three senior residences came to light, and a wing at the local hospital was closed down due to the virus. Yes, there was sadness, and yes, there was fear. But I also know that there were many kindnesses being exchanged, many prayers answered, and much quiet, thoughtful work that was and is taking place in unexpected places, not the least of which is in our hearts. This can be so easily overlooked, the work of the heart. No one can see it. No one can measure it. And yet, in fact, it is the shifts within each heart that shape the world, that create the atmosphere we all breathe. It is these small shifts in consciousness that direct the whole of humanity, like invisible hands that guide us forward. The invisible workings of the spiritual world create the world we see. Do not ever be fooled into thinking otherwise. 
It was Jesus's great strength and the strength of all spiritual leaders that he never for one moment believed that what he saw with his eyes was the wholeness of things. So I'd like to explore a bit of that thought today through the eyes of Mary, Jesus's mother, who stood at the foot of the cross, through Mary McCartney, the mother of Paul McCartney, who died early but left behind a strong impression on her son, allowing him to chase after his dreams and realize them, and through the gifts of insight given to the 15th century anchoress, Julian of Norwich, recorded in her Revelations of Divine Love. As Henry David Thoreau said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. What did Mary, Jesus's mother, see? What did Mary McCartney, Paul's mother, see? What did Julian, anchoress of Norwich, see? And what did that seeing offer all of them in understanding love and life and wisdom? What did they know and how did they know it? What did the Marys know? What did Julian know? What do all women know that walk through this life determined to love no matter the cost? Tiniest shift in a 
one of our Good Friday services about the conversations that Bruce and I have through his paintings. When Bruce first began to paint, for fun, I did a little interview with him for a local newspaper, and I discovered his remarkable view of creating art. He told me this, When I close my eyes, I see things. When I sit in silence, I hear things, and the things I see and hear are, to me, important to express. I feel lonely with them, but when someone else sees or hears what I've done to try and represent my imaginings, then this person has connected with me at a deeper level than simple conversation. In this way, Art of all kinds connects us one to the other. My paintings emerge from the canvas as I try to discover what I have seen. The viewer, of course, may see something entirely different. So there is a kind of conversation going on between the painter, the painting, and the viewer, which is both constant and always changing. It is an improbable conversation, and yet, there it is. I like this idea of improbable conversations. There is an unlikely conversation between the artist and the medium, and then there is a further conversation between the completed work and the viewer, an exchange that does not live in the physical world of objects held down by gravity and the heavy bootstep of chronological time, but is a spiritual experience with the created object as doula. Each observer will have a different experience, for our spiritual makeup is as particular as our fingerprint. Thus, each conversation between each original canvas will, in and of itself, be unique and improbable in conversation. Here is my writing that emerged from gazing at Bruce's painting, The Peacock, The Deer, and The Moon.
We cannot see the tendrils that trail from one thing to the next, but we are woven together, all of us, the peacock, the deer, and the moon, all warp and weave traveling through time, heartstrings and memories one, moving who knows where. The vast darkness, the interceding light crackling with laughter born of love, all move in a grand sweep of grace, majestic and bold. But the movement is not solely the instrument of some great other, though that grounding both holds us fast and propels us forward. The direction we move is guided by the invisible bracelet wrapped around our wrist, binding us to the beloved in breath and woods and sky. When lovers entwined stand open-faced toward the moon, the peacock in hopeful anticipation spreads his courting robe, and the deer nibbles contentedly on the winter wheat and dreams of spring. Is it not better, then, to gather in the world's embrace, holding fast to one another and our eternal goodness, which, though so often obscured by our conceits, burns eternal, no matter our intent? In humility lies hope, and in our professed love for one another is our way forward. Pray with me. How the world is a source of wonder and terror and beauty, and only you who we do not see and cannot understand any more than a bird can understand a dishwasher, understands it all. Who are we that we even dare to pray, that we stand in some semblance of awe, that we know not what, but that I would say we cannot breathe without? Where was I when you laid the earth's foundations, I would tell you, but I do not know. And you ask, who marked off its dimensions? I don't know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its foundings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? I don't know. And yet, so often, I think I do, we think we do, and we know nothing of your plan but this, that there is some guiding principle, some guiding understanding of life that is paradoxically so enormous and so minuscule that we are unable to comprehend the breadth and width and scale of mercy and grace in which we live and in which you move and breathe and have our being. Hear us 
and our loneliness and loss. Hear us in our joy and exultation. Hear us now as we gather together, stumbling through the dark, holding hands, and hoping you will hear us and offer us solace. Amen. Scripture reading is Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing rivers, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls to deep. At the thunder of your cataracts, all your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God.
Our second scripture is a short passage from our Good Friday reading. On Good Friday, we read all the way through the Passion story in the book of John. There was much to absorb. But I want to go back to this small passage and to remember that there were three women standing at the foot of the cross. They are not given any words to speak, but they are named, and that is important in the biblical text. Second Scripture, John 19, verses 25 to 29. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. The writer of the Gospel of John has assigned words to Jesus, but the three women in the vignette remain voiceless. Were they voiceless? Were they voiceless with tears and grief? Were they at a loss to understand the dark forces within human nature that had gathered strength in the crowd, partnered with those in power, and unleashed the scene of horror of which they were now all a part. Imagine you are a mother, an aunt, a follower, and you love this Jesus as a son, as a companion, as a young man of promise, and there he is in pain and anguish. And all you can do is hold steady and continue to love until he breathes his last breath. How did Mary, Jesus' mother, hold steady? She was the one who had raised him from birth, watched him come into his own, watched him come to a place of leadership. It is not too much to suppose that she was a great influence on him. After all, way back in the Christmas story, we see her as a slam poet, declaring, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed, because he who is mighty has done great things in me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the conceit of their heart. And he has put down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. 
How does Mary know these things? Even then, it could not be that she conceived in her mind's eye the suffering she would endure. Yet still, she held steady through the darkness, holding always to the power of love, never wavering in her devotion. Paul McCartney's mother was named Mary also. Mary McCartney was a nurse, a working woman from a working-class British family, away a lot when her children were young, though Paul remembers her as a very comforting presence in his life. Mary died when Paul was 14, and in the years following, as he tells the story, her face began to fade, and he could not remember it, but he studied her face in photographs and thought of her often. Some 10 years after she died, Paul was going through a particularly challenging time. It was the 60s, a time of excess, drugs, and often destructive living. It was the time of recording the White Album that would ultimately lead to the Beatles disbanding. Paul was not doing well, exhausted, without a partner, falling into despair. Then one night, Paul's mother came to him in a dream, sensing he was in trouble, knowing that he once again needed comfort. And she came with a message, and the message was, it will all be well, let it be. Paul was greatly comforted as he saw his mother's face as clearly as when she was living and absorbed her message and was granted peace and grace. He woke the next day, went to the piano, and sat down to write that iconic song, Let It Be. Julian of Norwich lived between the years of 1342 and 1415, most of the time in seclusion as an anchoress at St. Julian's Church in Norwich. Anancharis lived in an anchor hold, which was a cell-like room attached to the side of a church. The anchoress lived there in prayer and devotion, but served the passers-by as spiritual director and comforter via a window that faced out to the passing foot traffic. In her 30th year, Julian became seriously ill and on the verge of death. Having been given the last rites, as was the custom of the time, she lay waiting for death, concentrating on a crucifix that was hanging on the wall near her bed. In this time, she received 15 visions, or showings as she called them, and a 16th the following night. Recovering completely, she recorded these showings in a book entitled Revelations of Divine Love. Julian saw God in the capacity of the maker, the keeper, and the lover. Her writings are the only recordings we have from Anancharis of this time. They are extensive, personal, and detailed but they can all be drawn up in the words of her 13th showing, which have come to define her thought and have offered profound comfort to many. I may make all things well. 
I can make all things well, and I will make all things well, and I shall make all things well, and you shall see for yourself that all manner of things shall be well. Mary, Jesus' mother, clung to a love of God that allowed her the most astonishing faith, to hold to an unfolding of the universe in which she actively took part, but knew she did not control. Julian of Norwich also clung to a love of God that allowed her to experience visions not given to all people, only to those devoted ones tied to God by great swaths of love. And the message that she received, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. And Mary McCartney, through great love to her son, was able to travel back and visit him when he needed her most, to grant him comfort in his hour of need, with the simple words, let it be. All three women, determined to love in their different ways, offer us all this message of hope in our time of trial. Stand at the foot of the cross, hold steady with love, all will be well. Let it be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be.
be When the night is cloudy There is still a light that shines on Shine until tomorrow Let it be I wake up to the sound of music Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom Let it be 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 Whisper words of wisdom Let it be 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 Whisper words of wisdom Let it be met last week via Zoom, and it looks like our church buildings will be closed for the next few months. But we will continue to offer you a podcast each Sunday and an email campaign with spiritual practices and resources once a week as well. In addition, once a month we will be printing up a newsletter that includes shortened versions of the month's services to be available to those who are not working with technology. Please keep this in mind for your neighbors and friends who might be isolated in this way and appreciate reading something thoughtful and uplifting. As Jamie and Anne did at the beginning of April, they will arrange to gather tithes and offerings on the first Sunday of May, May the 3rd, and the first Sunday of June, June 7th, outside Trinity United Church at 11 a.m., They will keep a good distance away, but you are welcome to come by and wave and drop off envelopes for those of you who are in the habit of bringing your offerings in this way. And of course, there are several other ways to support the church on our website, shelburneprimrose.com. I would ask that you hold Jennifer and Gary Shaver in your prayers this week. They are separated while Gary is in the hospital and also to hold the Kaspari family in your hearts as well, as they have lost their beloved mother, Jane Elizabeth Somerville. Jane was a woman of uncommon spirit and will be much missed by all those who loved her, and that was a lot of people. It was a great blessing gifted to me by Jane's family to watch how her husband and sons and daughter-in-laws and friends and the wonderful Amelia cared for her through her long and arduous journey home. May grace surround them in the days ahead. I am going to close with three excerpts from Julian of Norwich's visions as a blessing to us all. God the Maker. See, I am God. See, I am in all things. See, I do all things. See, I never lift my hands off my own work, nor ever shall, without end. See, I lead all things to the end I ordained from it from the beginning with the same might, wisdom, 
and love that I made it. How should anything be amiss? God the keeper, I make all things well. I can make all things well. I will make all things well, and I shall make all things well. And you shall see for yourself that all manner of things shall be well. God the lover, I it am, I it am, I it am that is highest, and I it am that you love, and I it am that you like, and I it am that you serve, and I it am that you long for, I it am that you desire, I it am that you mean, I it am that is all. I it am that Holy Church preaches and teaches you. I it am that showed myself to you here. I it am, I it am, I it am that is higher. I it am that you love. I it am that you like. I it am that you serve. I it am that you long for. I it am that you desire. I it am that you mean. I it am that is all. I it am that the Holy Church preaches and teaches you. I it am that showed myself to you here. Be blessed this day. Stay safe and well. If there is any good you can do, then do it, whatever it may be. And may the love of God, which surpasses all understanding, be with you. And may the grace and compassion that is the heart of Christ be alive and well in your heart also. And may the fellowship and the guidance of the Great Spirit that moves among us all be with you this day and all days. Mm -hmm.